I'm looking into the world of the interweb. You may have forgotten us. This is the infinite spaghetti and we're back. I've been walking around the city and I'm trying not to just keep my head down. I want to look up. And that's where you find the water towers. The water towers come in all shapes and sizes. It's just like a reflection of the people who live in the city. There's something that's hidden in the skyline, symbolizes the uniqueness of New York City and its strength to persist and survive no matter what. I make the water towers out of paper mache and recycled material. Maybe we can keep stuff out of the landfill and put it into somebody's home where they will treasure it. Periodically, I tell people I'm the only one doing street art in paper mache, a paper mache street artist. I'm sure that isn't true, but I'll just keep telling people that anyway. Most of the locations I'm picking are vacant businesses. Sometimes they're just businesses that I like or places that are perfect locations. I envision these as markers, almost on a walking tour, where you would go find the water towers and maybe support the local communities that they reside in. had another episode where people were talking about nfts and they really seemed to enjoy that so this is kind of like the mostly nft episode today's guest is adrian alexis he is a friend of mine a close friend of mine he taught me everything i know about after effects he also is the one instructing me on all of the nft stuff that i've been doing we'll get it all into that this is infinite spaghetti a guided tour of the creative archive with your host, Ethan Minsker, part of the Project Nerve Network. 
Hello, it's your host, Ethan Minsker from Infinite Spaghetti, and we're out here in Brooklyn, 56 Bogart Street. This building is filled with galleries. I've been to lots of shows here, been in shows. I'm in a show here tonight, Cat Daddy, at AHA Fine Art. That's Ha Fine Art. Let's go check it out. My name is Jody McDonald, and I'm the co-curator for a show called Cat Daddy at AHA Fine Art at 56 Bogart Street in Bushwick. And the idea of the theme for Cat Daddy came from a conversation that I had with Francesca Arcalassi, who is one of the co-directors of the gallery. From the revered cats of ancient Egypt to the community-supported feral cats of Istanbul, to the obsession with cat memes on social media. Cats have almost a sacred bond with humans. The Cat Daddy exhibition is much more than a bunch of cute cat portraits. It's a deep dive into how catitude has infiltrated our society. Our language is filled with references to cats and cat colloquialisms. Cat got your tongue, herding cats, cat call, curiosity killed the cat, and that's just a few. The definition of Cat Daddy is a mature but eminently cool man. In contrast, a cat lady is seen as an older, potentially crazy woman. Some of the artists in the show were invited, but much of the work featured came from a call for submissions. The response to the open call was amazing. We could have filled a gallery four times the size of a ha fine art. It's not a surprise to me that artists in particular connect with cats and their independent, unpredictable, and inquisitive nature. Came in blind, it took us about a quarter of the show to realize, hey, there's a lot of cats here. I was visiting the gallery and she was telling me of a conversation she had just had with two other artists earlier on about dating websites and how one of them was showing a lot of men with their cats and they were laughing about, oh that one's a real cat daddy. And that's where the theme came from. They said, wouldn't that make a great theme for a show and don't you have artwork that features cats in it? And uh, we laughed about it and I said yes. And I went away and I thought about it overnight and I realized I actually know many artists that do feature cats in their artwork. And I emailed Norma and Francesca the next day and I said, if you're serious about this, I can pull some people together and we can make this show happen. And they agreed and, and that's how it started. I am staunchly anti-cat. My name is Manju Chandler. So I didn't think I had a lot of cat work, but it turns out I have a lot of lion work. So I have three pieces in the show. One is a sphinx that's kind of a self-portrait. And I have a couple of lines. One is a wall relief and one is a multimedia painting. My name is Cynthia Roos and I'm showing a portrait of my cat, Roger. A little portrait. Hi, my name is Mi Ouyang, you can call me Mi, and I come for Ethan's show. My favorite piece, of course, is the, the cat on the water tower. That's my favorite piece. That the cats on display were some of the finest I've seen. Uh, Ethan Minster specifically. Minsker's work is really impressive though because it is both three-dimensional and usually doesn't involve cats, which really speaks to me as a consumer. 
art. Yeah, why would you pick mine? Why would I pick your work? I picked Ethan's work because I remembered seeing him post on Instagram this wonderful paste-up of the street art of a giant cat head that had real catitude. And so I reached out and I invited him to submit some work. And strangely enough, those are like, that's like the only cat piece that he's done. <laughs> I can't believe it. <laughs> hey, I'm Evan Thanis. I um, have a piece, it's I Want to Be a Cartoon Cat, about how since the moment we're like kids, we've been training or have been told this lifestyle that is pretty much projected through cartoons and these cartoons usually star cats. I think of Felix the Cat, Garfield, The Amazing Little Gumball, those types of things. And they kind of set up this unrealistic expectation for, I guess, from going from a little kid to a young teenager, that a lot of your problems are gonna be solvable in a 12 minute interval, that life is more cartoony and more fun than it is, you know, in reality. My name is Carl Jones, and the work inside, two cat pieces which is why I wound up in the show, thankfully. Acrylic on wood and canvas. I love those things. So I love to just hang things on the wall and decorate them. My impression of the show is that there was an awful lot of cats. My theory on cats is that if they were substantially larger than us, that they would eat us immediately and that they would definitely play with us and enjoy it before doing so. And that is why we have an inability to be friends. Reviews! We're gonna start off with some reviews! Bang. Secret Life. It's a graphic novel, right? All the pretty pages of artwork and stuff. This is by D and Q. It's a hardcover. So if you need a weapon, something to read and a weapon. This can work for both of those things. It's basically a story about an office and it's this weird dystopian kind of office and there's like a plant growing and very interesting sort of dark story. I gotta say in the beginning, I was like, I don't know where this is going because it kind of hops around different characters in the story, but then it all ties into a neat little package at the end. Theo Ellsworth, an abdap from a story by Jeff Vandermeer. This is like one of these things where like graphic novels are almost like you can go towards the verge of like comics or you could go slanting towards art. And I would say this is like a really great like poetic, artistic effort. Really works well with the story and the imagery. So Secret Life, highly suggest it to the more traditional graphic novel. Something is Killing the Children, Volume 1. This is by Boom. Oh, and that's, you know, on... Okay, she always loves to come in. She always brightens up the office when we're in here. Do not read this to your, ch your children for bedtime reading. It is not pleasant. It's all about children getting murdered in very gruesome and violent ways. But as a parent, yeah, somewhat entertaining. Don't share it with the kids entertaining for you when you're annoyed at the kids. It's basically a story about a monsters killing kids in a small town and then this monster hunter shows up in the town and attempts to kill off the monsters. I don't want to give away too much, but really great action sequences, awesome character development, highly recommended. Those are the graphic novels and stuff to check out for this episode. 
Now I'm gonna bring on the Adrian of Alexis. Hello, I'm currently a motion graphics artist, but I make animations and graphics for video. I worked with Ethan for a long time at MTV making graphics and video for all those great shows. I'm just like a nerd who's obsessed with anything animation. 3D animation is where I kind of started when I was in college, that's kind of what drew me in. I just love anything that has to do with film or animation, so. You are doing stuff in sketchbooks and then it's translating into like a digital form. And then it's like you're exploring all the different ways that you can take your artwork and translate that digitally. When it comes to your personal artwork, the professional side, yeah, it's like high-end digital graphics for show openings and all of that stuff and animation and stuff. But on the personal side, it's like always the attempt of exploring different sort of ways that you can take your art and manifest it in other ways, which then leads us to today's topic. I definitely like exploring with dig different digital medias. Like I do 3D, I do sketching, but I also like to try new tools that are like always being made. So, and NFTs are definitely one of those tools that is like last year, especially with the big Beeple sales, it kind of caught my attention and I kind of wanted to check it out and get in, get involved and see what it's all about. He's a digital artist, 3D artist who I've been following for a while. And he, he was doing just every days for about five or six years, he was doing every days where he would just make something and then post it onto the internet every single day. And then he sold that every day. He compiled all those images into like one image and sold that for, I can't remember how much it was. It was like multiple millions of dollars, but that was this time last year with the Christie's auction, I think it was, the big art house or something. Okay, he was the one who sold it for a ton of money and it had like thousands of little images. Let me step back a little bit. So non-fungible tokens, blockchain, artwork. When you make a piece of artwork, here are some of the parameters you should know. A, it's linked to you forever. When you put the information in there, it has a provenance of everyone it's been sold to, the creator's information, and the creator's original information that they put in there. A second factor is that you as the artist get to put a royalty if you choose. So when somebody sells it again, that you forever will continue to gain a little bit of an income from sales, secondary sales. So when you're selling art in the real world, you sell something, you never get a secondary check. This is like always a little bit of money coming in as it's transferred and sold. Yeah, it's a, it's a great way to give power back to the artist. I give a lot of control of that ownership to the people who are making the content over than just the people who are just selling it and reaping all the benefits. The third part I'd say, it's like it's a digital format. So it's not like something that you physically own. It's something that is in the internet ether. It is, as long as that's working, it is existing there, but it's not like a physical form. You as the creator, you create it, it will show that you created it, but after that, it's whoever owns it, it's in their possession and in their collection. Those are the three major things that people should remember when they're talking about NFTs. In the contemporary art world, art scene here in New York City, you have a lot of people who are always, there's the co-host, Blue, say hi. Hi. He's asking how it's going. Good. How is it co-hosting with me? Yeah. So on these boards, I've been like watching, and the other day there was somebody on Facebook who wrote all of this stuff like, NFTs is not art. You're not an artist if you're doing NFTs. It's all horrible blah, blah, blah. It's just capitalism. 
and all this stuff. And I'm looking at it just like, I didn't want to engage, but I wanted to be like, it's capitalism in favor of the artist. We all know who the actual person is who made it. So you can't be ripped off in that way. When somebody says like, oh, the art is horrible. I'm like, it's a platform. It's, it's like a canvas. So that'd be like saying like, all painting is terrible. And I'm like, well, that just means you're looking at paintings you don't like. Go find artists that you do like or figure out how to put it up there yourself so you're competing with the, if you think your art is so great, make an NFT, put it up there, and then there, there's something less horrible. There's a lot of backlash. There's a whole lot of backlash about it. And I think from people who aren't interacting with it, because there's a lot of people who are like, oh, and all NFTs are a scam. Oh, it's all horrible art. Oh, it's bad for the artist. Well, because there are people who do that, but there are people who scam in the regular art world too. Like there's scams everywhere. Like it's not just because it's happening within the crypto space that it just inherently makes it a scam. And I, I highly suggest getting on Twitter and just like interacting in that space because that's where a lot of NFT conversations happen. That's where a lot of crypto conversation happens. And there's a lot of artists who just hate on anything nft without really interacting or talking to people about how it's actually benefiting them you know it's like i think most people hear that term and they hear crypto and they immediately associate it with like the flashy things that are the media is putting out and that's like all they see unless you're like interacting with it and seeing that it's there's larger applications it's easy to fall into that mentality of like, oh, it's just bad for the environment. Oh, it's just scams. Oh, it's just this, another type of stock market. But when you're actually interacting with it, you can see there's huge communities that are being built and there's a lot of power being given back to the artists. Like you mentioned, royalties. You know, there's a lot of artists out on Twitter who are like, don't buy NFTs, just commission the artist. You commission an artist for like a hundred bucks, 200 bucks for one sale. And then you could go sell that, do whatever you want with it. They don't make any more money on that. Whereas like if an artist puts something out as an NFT, they can put royalties on it. They can make that contract or make that interaction, whatever they want. And then it's more about how you as an individual want to interact with that space. And you know, I don't think giving tools like that to artists across the world is a bad thing. It's just a matter of like figuring out how you want to interact with the space rather than just immediately like saying it's a bad thing it's new and it's something that i think people are still figuring out i'm still learning a lot about it the only way you can really learn truly about something is to interact with it and see where the pitfalls are what you like about it what you don't like about it rather than just saying oh it's all just bad it's great to have this this new tool of digital ownership to give a lot of power back to digital artists because in the past there's artists like john carroll who's this amazing artist he's been making gifts probably like since the early 2000s and like people have seen it and he's been putting all this art just out into the digital world people copy it people like use it for everything send gifts all this time and like stickers and stuff and he didn't get any money from that he just put it out into the world now he's an nft artist who's making huge sales because he's got that that provenance he's got people who recognize his work He's got a very distinct style. He's working in a, on a blockchain that trying to take the, the crown of being the king of clean NFTs or clean blockchain. He's on this Tezos blockchain, which is the one that I work on. It's not fair to say that like all blockchain or all NFTs are bad because unless you understand that there are different blockchains and there are different ways to interact with it, it's just making a blanket judgment on something that you're showing you don't know anything about. I think it's good to try and learn about it before making large opinions on something like that, that it's a tool that's giving 
artists so many so much more power there's a whole kind of argument about why it's bad for the environment and the reason would be is that for blockchain of any kind of thing to work means you have to have a lot of processing power from many many different systems all working together and that takes power and power takes energy and energy is a drain on the environment because you have to burn probably fuel and, and that's where like the different i think one of the major things when people are curious about it it's to do a lot of good research and learn what the difference is between like bitcoin or ethereum or the one that i like to use tezos you know there's other blockchains that use different technologies that are considered cleaner and more efficient than like bitcoin because there's a whole industry of people who do Bitcoin and Ethereum mining. It's not even doesn't have anything to do with NFTs. It's all just about certifying the blocks within that blockchain like and I might be getting a little technical for the art side of this, but it's just like it's a whole industry of people who buy up all these GPUs to run all those processes and that's where all the inefficient energy usage is happening and that's where a lot of that criticism is where people associate that just the whole concept of blockchain whereas there's the tezos blockchain which is uses a different technology and algorithm within the coding i'm not going to claim to be like smart enough to know all about that stuff but i know that the gas fees and the interacting with that blockchain is something that for me is actually accessible and for other people in the world malaysia or brazil where their economy isn't as strong as the us it's huge for people like that it's huge for people across the world where they can interact with it not feel like they have to spend $300 just for a transaction and they can still put their art out there and get it sold still get royalties you know it's it's really amazing i'm a big fan of tezos it's the one that i kind of hitched my wagon to there's others like solana there's a lot so it's a, it's really a matter of learning and doing research and finding the communities that you want to try and interact with there's a lot of different platforms there's a lot of different places that you can put your art up. You don't have to feel like you have to spend a whole bunch of money to do it. But then there's always that possibility of some collector coming along and saying, this person's really amazing and I want to buy their art and I want to support this artist. I'm on Tezos too. So a lot of my artwork personally is about trying to be have less environmental impact. The possibility that Ethereum is probably less better for the environment is so I would rather gravitate towards Tezos because it's the theory is that that's better for the environment. But then you're also kind of balancing that Ethereum is the one that's most popular as a platform for sales and reach and all of that. You have to come up with your own reasons and do your research for what you're picking and that will then guide all the kind of platforms that fall underneath that. About the whole concept of whether you're like what type of artist you are and whether you jump into this. Now, I'm not trying to sell cryptocurrency in any way. I have no interest in that. I'm not pushing that. I'm not one of those guys on Instagram that's, oh, join the cryptocurrency. No, I don't give a shit about any of that whatsoever. Don't care. What I care about is that it's a platform and that it's a form of art. And I want to work within that because it's a new form. When I see these people going like, oh, you know, all of that sort of bullshit, I go like, okay, a lot of what I do in the larger sense, I'm trying to think of how art historians may look back on what you're doing creatively. And in that sense, you're, I'm thinking 25 years out, 
50 years out, 100 years past my, my life. So even if you say like within five or six years and you're thinking 25 years from now or 50 years from now, you start figuring this out in the next few years, you're still an early adapter. You know, I don't think it's gonna hurt my art career in any way by doing like physical art or doing films and then having a series of N NFTs. I, I see a lot of artists talking about that and I think they're too uptight about their brand as an artist. I think it's good to have consistency across what you do. To make an attempt and forge new territories, I don't see that as a problem. The thing I don't understand is why people putting out NFTs, especially like when they try to work within clean NFTs that don't take as much energy to process i don't understand why people would have so much backlash against it because it's it's just another form of art platform place for people to share the animosity against people interacting with it is just the unknown digital art hasn't been respected as art forever in my opinion i don't think people see like 3d art as like anything other than sports graphics or just like something pretty to look at but they don't say oh that's a really great artist but now it's giving digital artist more solid footing of saying no this is digital art i've minted it i've made it and put it out and it is clearly made by me it's not made by anybody else it's a unique piece of art that you can have proof of ownership of like people have like postcards of the mona lisa it's like do you really own the mona lisa it's like no of course not but if you did then that would have more value nfts are bringing value back to artists who have been forgotten in in the traditional art world shunned because it's like not traditional art it's not painting it's not i have a hard time with that because i never really think of myself as an artist even though i'm always creating art so it's i think it's a space that is giving power back to creatives in general not only that but like you can do more things you can make generative art you can take digital art and make things that you couldn't make on a page you couldn't make in the traditional sense of like where the art industry is, you know, like there are NFTs that take your digital wallet, which is like where you interact with, they take that, that code and that's what generates the art. So it's a unique piece to you. It's unique to anybody who views it with a different wallet. So every time you look at it, it could change. That's impossible to do at an art gallery. Like you can't do that in a regular space. You can't have a totally different piece of art being generated just based off of somebody's like unique code. I think it's it's a new space and you know I created some NFTs that were actually 3D model. It's animated and you can like move it around. You could put that in AR. You can have augmented reality pieces that people are sharing social media or just in person. So I think there's a lot that you can do with this new new form of art essentially. This is my most successful piece I did. What asserts the value of an NFT? What asserts the value of any art? The good thing about NFTs is like, as an artist, you can set that value. You can play with it. I put this piece out as part of an event that this platform had called Object for Object, where artists share pieces and other artists pick it up. It's, it's just like a free swap. I put out a whole bunch of these. I had like maybe, I think a thousand I made originally. And I said, these are gonna be up for However long this event is happening, an event ended on the weekend and then I burnt the rest of them. This one, I think like around 300 people picked it up. So that was like my most successful piece. And now whoever picked it up, they can swap it, they can trade it and they decide the value. So it's a matter of how much value is changing depending on their fame, who buys it, who wants it and where they value it. So my NFTs are more related to stop motion animation and the physical artwork that I do. 
when I was pricing it, I had this theory of the very first piece I do, which will only be the only one I will ever do as the very first NFT. I'm going to put on there for an outrageous amount of money, like a large amount. And I'm not thinking I'm going to sell it. I want the first one to be a high amount. And then the second one, I'll make two copies of it, which is another part of it. You can determine how many additions there are of it. So the second one, I made two editions and I kind of halved the price. And by the third, there would be four. And as I make many, many more editions, then I would have a hundred. And it's like only a couple of bucks that would be like translated. The other part of it, I think it's like on the digital side, this is a way to kind of generate an audience having people like your stuff. But even if you sell it for a low amount of money, remember that you'll always get income as it trades and sells and hopefully it'll keep going up. So kind of the theory is, is that you want to have some that are very, very low price just so they're out there floating in, in the ecosystem. This is my profile on platform Hick at Nunk. These are all the NFTs I've minted. And I've just been playing around. I put anything up. I don't have like a huge following like someone like John Carroll, but he had a system where he would put out only 25 editions for 25 Tez. He was doing that when he started putting these out. That was his system. He had he stopped doing that because he got would get snatched up so quick. He changed his process. You can set up auctions. There's a lot of different ways you can assert the value. I'm not putting this up for sale. This was my first one and I'm never going to sell it. Made this to start interacting with the space and start trying to figure it out. My start into this digital realm. And early on, like when Adrian was teaching me this, like we traded pieces for no sale, just we wanted to trade. I gave him one and he gave me one and now it's in our collections. Keep in mind, there's costs when you're making these, creating them. I want to show them the metadata or the information so you can see here it's, a, it's an edition of one. It's not for sale, but then it comes with all this info, mint type, what kind of a thing it is. It's an image, a gift. You can provide all this information that will always stay with it. And then it has listings and histories. There's a whole bunch of information that comes with each of these and there's all different types of NFTs. Like I've seen some artists who just take like their actual paintings and then they do slight animation to it. And then some are more interactive, like you were mentioning before, where it's almost like they're programming, interact with it, and it's constantly changing. And then there are people who are making NFTs where there's completely computer generated NFTs and it makes a new NFT every day. This piece to me, it's like something I could walk into a gallery, totally see it up on a wall and playing right in line with what you see in the Chelsea galleries for people to be like, it's not art. I'm like, it's literally exactly in consistency of what I see as video art. But for some reason, the moment that it's an NFT, people are going like, oh, I don't consider that art. Or we have a question here from Jeremy. So what software do you guys recommend? My son enjoys making clips and such. He has a high functioning autism and his ability to use a computer to do math, read is out of this world. He mentioned software earlier and it was roughly $50 a month. Jeremy Dudley, my recommendation for free software that you can do anything in is Blender. It's a 3D software. It's free. It's open source. It was the software that I started with. You can do photo editing. You can do video editing. You can do 2D. You can do 3D. GIMP is one that's good that for like photo editing. I think Corel. There's a lot of apps out there too. You don't necessarily need to get Adobe software to do all this stuff. There's another app called Cavalry blob stuff or like this guy I use just my iPad this app called 
Loom with three O's, L-O-O-M. That one's really fun for just hand-drawn animation. I do a lot of editing and stuff, so I already have the Premiere and Adobe package. And I just find it super easy for me to work within Premiere and then just exporting it out. I'm exporting out an H.264 file and then a little GIF as the preview file. So like what you're seeing here is probably the GIF. Create them as NFTs, you have to work within whatever the, the platform allows, especially on Tezos blockchain, they accept a lot of different types of media files. So like you see this blob in the top right corner, this guy bouncing around the purple. So this, you can move that around, click on it and move it. This is a 3D file. Oh my God, I haven't done this. Look at that. I'm controlling this people. And if you interact with it on your phone, it has an option to say, place it in AR. So you could like place that in your house digitally for augmented reality. It's just another way to interact with animation, you know? And this was a fun experiment for me because I created this with Google's Monster Mash. Monster Mash is a really fun little software. That one's free too, actually. So you should check that out where you can just draw in 2D and then it creates a 3D, kind of inflates it. And then you can even animate within there. So it, I made the animation, the model within that. And then I took it into different softwares. Actually, I took this into Blender, exported it. That stuff gets a little more technical with the creation of the model and then exporting it as a 3D model to put it up. Some people are better at curating their their space and I think that's a big thing about being an artist in general is just having a clean curation of your stuff and presentation and you know, I try to keep everything as the simple kind of animation that I do where it's a lot of like paper mache but this is consistent with the physical artwork that I also sell. What you see here will be matching a lot of like either my films or what I do as a visual artist, like these whole series of, you know, water towers. I just sold two of these as the physical form. And when it works, it kind of just, you know, animates around in a simple circle. I try to think that, like, for me, I want my work to be consistent in the way that it's presented and look. So here's another part. So if you're seeing like this, it's we see Adrian's his screen name, right? And then you see this TZ1, which is basically saying that he works within the Tez. That's my Tezos wallet. That's the actual digital wallet that is where all my NFTs are being held in the back end the, of the blockchain. You start with the wallet because that's where you have to put actual real money cash where then it's converted into one of the cryptocurrency, whatever your flavor you like. But that flavor has to also match the platform. You do the wallet create a profile and then you're uploading content and then there's another sites where then you can auction and sell so this is what he owns a lot of these at the top here are gifts that i got actually some of them i didn't even collect like this bear guy this caterpillar bear i didn't even go to buy that they just sent it to me i must have had something from them before i think that's what it is that they were just like thank you for being a collector here's a free piece that one i bought because it was from this artist that i really like chippy pet star chippy so sometimes people will put something out there and they want you to burn it on a certain day basically like delete it but then they'll give you more stuff here you can see again this is edition well there's nine available 402 so you can see it's like you can make multiples it's like once you do that you that's it there's not more made after that it's this is it you can delete them you can burn them but you can't once you mint however many you're going to make that's however that's going to be so I did a lot of testing when I started. I had to, you know, it was a little costly and I lost maybe like 10 bucks trying experimenting. This one's really awesome. Speaking of interactive, this is a drum beat. Like you can 
play it with your keypad, Ethan. Very cool, but if you could, you would hear all this weird drum. And like, you can use your number pad on your keyboard to, to control that. I'll probably never sell them. I think I have over like 500 or something like that in my collection. I might have two of them posted to sell back or put up for sale. You don't have to collect. There were some fun events that were, I got a whole bunch of free ones and made a lot of friends and found like some really great artists that are like Pet Star Chippy. That's really fun to watch his, how he's evolved and interact with the, the space. Some of these people are making millions from this. The artists I know who have done well, they already had a following in the real world before they were jumping into the NFT world. Those things do translate and affect. Show my wallet. When I started this, you can see over here in this corner, it says there's 27 basically Tezos, right? And the value, the street value, $101. What I did in the beginning was put about, what, $150 in? The prices fluctuate, but this is basically like your wallet. Like as you think of a wallet, you put your money into it and then there it is. Once you have this, set up you're connecting that to your page if then i go jump over to my page then it gives you the ability to do things like minting so here if you were minting you would click on that you would write your title your description up to 500 characters you would write your tags so people were searching it and then it's like you upload a gift first the preview is like a gift and then you're uploading the actual NFT. So it's almost like for me, it's been a two-step process and you have to make it the size right, the animation right. It takes a little getting used to, but then once it's accepted, your wallet comes up, pops up on the screen. You hit accept. I'm going to spend this money on the gas price. You'll hear this is that the gas price is kind of like the amount it's going to cost you to do the processing for this part so there's a lot of pricing like it'll be like i want to put it in an auction well that's going to cost you a little bit of money at the same time on my wallet if you go back i think i started with 27 i've sold very uh, only very few things but i'm pretty much stuck at the same price because the amount i've spent has been offset by the few things that have sold now on here this is like a list of all the transactions in my wallet and that's the thing too about blockchains is that it's all public your wallet is there. If, if I went onto your platform site or just found that your wallet, I can, I can see this too. It's, it's open. It's a public ledger, essentially. I put a couple things up for auctions. Then it's going over to objkt.com. So you can mint and interact with this platform as well. It's just another space that works on the Tezos blockchains, there's other marketplaces that you can interact with. So it's really a matter of finding what works for you and what you're like, what type of community you're trying to interact with. This one has a lot of good tools where you can set up auctions, you can swap. This is how I sent you my piece and you sent me yours and different websites have different capabilities. So why has Bored Ape series in particular caused so much hysteria? Like, why is that so sought after? Price so high? What makes it so good? The possibilities seem so endless with what one could make. That's a good question. It's kind of like, it's these collectives. It's these people who've been in the NFT space for a while. They've built these projects and they've created them as one of one pieces only one person can effectively own that ape at a time. It's kind of like CryptoPunks. It's these groups that they created these these projects and people bought into it. It took off. So I don't know how to explain Bored Apes. Hard to understand why those have so much more value. 
But I think it's a matter of these are projects that have been established and then they're being backed by people with a lot of money. People are buying them and people value them at that. You know, like you have like Justin Bieber just bought one for like half a million dollars or something like that. When they're putting that money into the Ethereum blockchain and they're interacting with it, that's keeping that value up there. There's a whole industry of just collectors, people who are just like, that's all they do. They just like spend time in collecting NFTs and spending money in the crypto space. It's really a matter of like them finding different projects and backing it. Like CryptoPunks and Bored Apes. Bored Apes, it feels like anybody could do that stuff, especially CryptoPunks. Those really feel like anybody could make that. But it's not a matter of if you could make it or not. It's a matter of these people did make this and they did tie it to this NFT particular image is tied to that contract it's valued at that especially with like what the media puts out it's they're all just talking about ethereum and bitcoin right now and that's where there's millions of dollars there are some big sales on tezos but they're not quite flashy they've been talking about trying to come out with like ethereum 2.0 where it's like clean but they've been talking about that for a year pulling up this other page of yours yeah this is versum this is a new platform I think I'm going to start interacting with more. I have a few pieces on here. At the moment, there's like a kind of a split of where people are interacting with NFTs on the Tezos blockchain. And so this is one of the newer platforms that I think I'm going to be interacting with. I also wanted to say like, so another thing about this with NFTs and stuff, you'll see a lot of people out there that doing NFTs. It's like Major League Baseball is doing baseball cards and like car companies or so there's, there's a whole infiltration of like the commercial world of making NFTs as a part of their branding and to advertise their thing. Mine, it's like, if you look like that's the physical art, some of this is street art, but there's also parts from films that I make. So like actual clips that I clipped out from Man in Camo, which you can see me and Adrian in. It's like a way for you selling like little parts of your film or little parts of your artwork. It could be any different kind of thing you want to, you know, your choice, a whole variety of world stuff to pick from. Do's and don'ts. Do's and don'ts from Adrian. I mean, if you were trying to be like, I want my NFTs to be good for the environment, don't go to the Ethereum ones because you'll get a lot of backlash. Like people will see right through it. Very first recommendation is we do some research. I recommend getting on Twitter, find people that you align with, communities that you want to be a part of, try and find that and interact with them. Make a digital wallet. You don't have to worry about trying to get into the crypto aspect of it just to get into the NFT aspect to start learning about it. There's a lot of good things you could do. Eat, eat a hot dog. What are you eating? Don't interrupt me when you're eating your dinner. That's that's a don't right there. Things people get yelled at about is shilling, like just like constantly pushing stuff on people when it's not appropriate. So don't do inappropriate shilling. Don't share your seed phrase with anybody. It's like a, a list of words. Well, it's your, it is your login. It's your password. If you create a digital wallet, you're gonna go through all these things, regardless of where you do it, there's gonna be a thing called a seed phrase, which is essentially your password. They're gonna tell you to write it down somewhere. Don't type it, don't keep it on your desktop, don't keep it digitally anywhere because if you get hacked, somebody could find it and then hack your wallet and then they could just take all your stuff. Basic cybersecurity stuff, just like be careful about the links that you click on. Trust your gut when it comes to like, is this person shady or not? And that's where I think a lot of the criticism of scams comes in because it's such a new space and there's a lot of people who haven't interacted with it and not only haven't interacted with it, but don't have exactly the tightest cybersecurity for themselves. I got hacked, but you didn't get hacked. You just weren't being careful about what links you were clicking on. So a big do is 
protect your cybersecurity and and do research on how to be very secure. I got to say that just and there she is. I'm almost done. Almost done. On that subject of watching out for scams, this just happened to me like a few days ago in in like physical art scams is that if you have somebody contact you through an email and say, hey, I'd like to pay with a personal check. You can let it clear in your bank. I need your phone number, your email, physical address. You know, when it comes to shipping, I'm going to have my personal shippers come pick up the artwork. And I already heard this, that people were saying, like, watch out for that. What they do is that they, here's the check, and then they have their personal shippers take it, and then they go, I never got the art. Well, it was your shipper. So I said to this the guy in the thing, oh, sure, here's the link. Purchase from there. I don't take personal checks. I don't give out any personal information, and I absolutely don't use your shipper. It has to be my shipper or go away. Never heard back from them. Regardless, you have to be cautious, and if it feels weird, it is weird. Explore your curiosity. You know, if, you, if you're interested in it and you're hearing all this backlash, I think you got to explore and, like, check it out for yourself before listening to, like, what the media hype is or all the hatred of it. I think it's an interesting space to be in. Like I've been working with NFTs for about the last year. It's interesting to me. And I think it's a great tool that we as artists can use to bring power back to us in a lot of different ways. So I think it's important to be open-minded, to try new things and, and explore and find the new communities that are being made. Find what where your values align with others and just continue to explore it. I guess that would be my conclusion. Thank you for watching Infinite Spaghetti. If you like the show, please share, comment, subscribe, rate, review. Shows like this only exist with the constant support of its viewing audience. Only on Project Nerd TV.